Lecture topic: Reconnecting to Allah, Session One. Unlike normally, as a talk takes place, some lecture takes place. This is meant to be more kind of informal discussion. The primary theme in these discussions is simply our Islam. What is Islam all about? That we are the servants of Allah Taala. Allah Taala has created us. Allah Taala has placed us into this dunya for a short period of time, and has given us this opportunity to make our akhirat. But in order to get safely to Jannat, it requires a rectification of oneself. The rectification of oneself internally, one's inner self, and the rectification of one's external self. This is what Islam is all about. The word is perhaps well known to us. We might have heard it many times. But often it is not fully understood what this refers to. So this refers to the rectification of the inner self and the external self. Just as physically, a person all the time tries to maintain his health. So now in order to maintain his health, so there's the external care that he has to take. The hygiene, the various other external aspects that he has to be conscious about in order to look after his health. He stays in a clean environment. Is not somewhere where he is breathing in toxic fumes. He is not exposing himself to, for example, maybe severe weather conditions. It's very cold, so he is covering himself adequately. If it's extremely hot, so he's taking care to cool himself in some way. Otherwise, he'll get dehydrated. So all these are the external aspects that are taken care of in order to maintain the health, the physical health. If he doesn't take care of this, he's breathing in polluted air. A short while, he starts having problems with breathing and various other complications. He's in a place that is, uh, some other issues are there. People are throughout the world concerned about viruses. So now he is in a place which is now prone to some virus. So now he is very conscious. Half the world is wearing, as they say, the half the world is gone into parda. Let alone the women, even the men are gone into parda. They are wearing big face masks. Half the face is, face is covered. For what? To look after the physical health. So the physical health, now the person is taking care of all these things. And then for the internal health, for the good functioning of the organs of the body, heart must function well, and his lungs must function well, and all the other limbs and organs must function well. So now there's so many things to take care in that regard, the diet, what he's putting into himself, the exercise, and then if there's some little, something is not functioning at optimum level, some problem somewhere, then he immediately now wants to get some blood test done, he's being asked to do some scans and whatnot to detect where's the problem, in order to address that problem. He goes from one place to the next, starts off with his GP and the person doesn't seem to be able to diagnose what the issue is, so then he's going to a specialist, and then from that specialist he's going to somebody beyond, and then one scan after the other, all to, in order to get the physical health at optimum level. So indeed, this too is a very great na'mat of Allah Ta'ala, all the limbs and organs that we have, all the bounties of Allah Ta'ala. We have to look after it, we have to care for it, and that is why there is even emphasis on how much uh, or what a person eats, 
how much he eats. Like in the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says that a person, his eating should be in three portions basically. His eating meaning his, what he puts within himself is in three portions. One portion, فَسُّلُسُنْ لِطَعَامِهِ before that, the starting of the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Islam says, Ma mala'a adamiyun wi'a'an sharram min batni. A person has never filled up a vessel to its full. And this has been as bad as doing it anywhere else but the stomach. In other words, you fill up some vessel somewhere to the broom. No way it can be as bad as filling the stomach to the broom. Elsewhere, you fill something to the broom, it might not affect anything. But you fill the stomach up to the broom, it's going to cause a lot of problems. So Nabi Islam says, it hasn't been as bad as filling any vessel to the broom as it is relating to the stomach. And then he gives the prescription of how to now balance things out. So Nabi Islam is giving us this prescription for physical health. That if you need to now really consume something to your need, he one third of the stomach for the food, one third for water, one third for air. Now, this, no matter how much a person can go into its depths, but all this research of modern science also can't come to that point that this was already given to us 1500 years ago. And a person who maintains the balance in his diet, then all the other illnesses also very far away from him generally. Some other issues might become the catalyst for it, but most of the problems often is related to diet. The wrong diet, overeating, etc. So what the point we are making is that even this physical self, to look after it, we have been told about this in the Hadith Sharif. This is the guidance of Rasulullah But nevertheless, Sooner or later, one day, we have to leave this dunya. No matter how well a person takes care of his health, and he should take care of his health, no matter how much, how fit he may be, no matter how well he looks after his diet, how much he exercises, all this in his place. But sooner or later, every person is going to leave. Nobody's going to remain here forever. When a person leaves dunya, while he's in dunya, he must look after his health. Obviously. But after his eyes close, the physical health is of, going to be of no significance. Because there is no more physical health left. Then the person's rue is gone. person was the most strong, the healthiest person around, the strongest person around. But once that rue leaves, he's lifeless. Now he can't move that fly off his nose. He can't blink an eye. Everything is there. Just a minute ago the person was talking, he was probably even flexing his muscles, he was bragging about his physical feats, all the things that were happening, whatever he did in life. But now one, sec- one minute later the Ruh came out. Suddenly the angel of death came and extracted his soul. Now that person is still physically looking the same. If somebody didn't know that he passed away, they just walked in, maybe they might be mistaken, he's sleeping. But he can't move a finger, he can't bat an eyelid, life is gone. All the physical health is of no, consequence, no significance now. But the spiritual health is now what will count. That spiritual health counts while we are around in dunya. And the spiritual health is what counts in the cover when a person is laid in the grave. And it's only the spiritual health that will speak on the day of Qiyamah. And it is only the spiritual health that will take a person to the everlasting abode of Jannah. Minus the spiritual health, then no matter what the person's worldly achievements were, physically, materially, in terms of social, his position in society, whatever else, everything else will be left behind, it won't be of any significance. The only thing of significance when the person's eyes close, then it's only his spiritual health. While he's in dunya, then all these things have its place. All these things have its place within the limits of Sharia. 
After the eyes close, nothing. He won't be asked in the cover on the day of Qiyamah that how strong were you physically, how much weight you could lift, or how many people you could wrestle down, or how, what, what was the speed you could sprint at, or how many marathons you could run. All these things, or for that matter, materially, what was the extent of the material you amassed? How big the empire was? Yes, he'll be asked about how you acquired it and how you spent it. Account for that. Every cent account for it. Was it acquired in the correct manner? And where was it spent? That will be asked. But how much was amassed in terms of that? Were you more wealthier than the other person? You lived up to the next person's standards? Those things don't count in any way. So the physical health, it got its place in dunya, but after the eyes closed, nothing. So this is what this Islam is all about, about getting the spiritual health in order. There's so much of care taken to look after the physical health, but that one day is going to have to come to an end in terms of the person leaving dunya. He is never going to remain forever. So if that physical health, which is now going to be for a temporary period, and it's important, but it's given so much of importance and it's given so much of care, the spiritual health is going to have to carry the person beyond this. Carry him through into his cover. Be of that assistance to him on the day of Qiyamah, on the day of judgment. And take him along to Jannah. So how much of importance and how much of emphasis is to be placed on the spiritual health. Now this is what Islam is all about. That just as the physical health the physical self, this too gets affected from time to time by illnesses, all kinds of illnesses. Sometimes it's a common flu, sometimes it's something a little bit more than that, sometimes it's something that can be treated with some maybe painkillers or some off-the-shelf medication and sometimes it requires a visit to the doctor. And sometimes the doctor also will say you need to be admitted to hospital. And sometimes in the hospital also, they say, look, not just in any ordinary ward. You need to go to high care. And sometimes it's beyond high care. You have to be in the ICU. And then sometimes even the ICU is not good enough. So you are in an isolation ward. Now all these different levels of care and intervention for the person's physical health, because something has gone wrong. Now there's so many tests and diagnoses and whatever else all these different levels of treatment so just as the physical self gets sick and then all these levels of treatment take place likewise the spiritual health gets affected the person looked at something wrong it's affecting him something is going to be getting affected inside like he breathes polluted air, toxic fumes he's going to start coughing he's going to have problems breathing if it goes on and on, he's going to be suffocating somewhere. He'll start having asthma attacks. And what not might happen. So likewise the person now, he is exposing himself to the toxic, what is spiritually toxic for his soul. In terms of the haram he's looking at, in terms of the haram that he's listening to, the haram environment he's going to, all the other illnesses of the heart, pride, malice, jealousy, the love of the ego, these are all major maladies. Just as there's cancers, there's tumors, there's uh, sometimes a heart problem, there's clogged arteries. So likewise, these clog up a person's spiritual self. He can't seem to make any progress. He's just Stagnant. Forget being stagnant, he is retrogressing. Every other day there is now further deterioration in his condition. Once upon a time he was performing his five times salah with jama'ah, now suddenly the jama'at is gone. And then suddenly he is making some salah qaza also. And then if he was missing it in time, he was still making it up in another time, which already is a major problem. Then after a while even that too is not happening. One person 
just very recently came to discuss something so he says I am just where I am I said where are you so he says well what I am is the same from long time carrying on two to three namazes a day in such a very casual manner two to three namazes a day so I am there meaning well life is carrying on two to three namazes a day this is not a person in our terminology we call it namazi person who is punctual on his salah no there is one of two things, either a person is a namazi or not. A namazi person who is punctual in salah is a person who is punctual on five times salah. That person is a namazi. And the person who is making four salah, that's a major problem. Because that one salah is faraz, which is missing out. And that's a very major problem. So, but now, it becomes such a casual thing, the person is like very casually expressing it, well, I'm there, I'm performing two to three namazes a day, and other things are carrying on. By you are in a major problem, you are in a critical ICU situation. But that consciousness sometimes doesn't hit a person, where am I? So now these ailments come in the heart, now that from one thing to the other, that retrogression sets in, then the person doesn't even feel that uh, remorse over it. The remorse of missing out what he's supposed to have done, that remorse also goes away. Then all the salah start getting missed sometimes. No remorse over it also. The remorse of having done something wrong. Once upon a time the person slipped up in it, the first time he did something wrong, it was like qiyamah for him. His whole, he couldn't sleep the night. He was in such a grief. How could I have done something like this? And then gradually he got more and more into it. Now it's like this, he shoot a fly away from his nose. When thoughts came to his mind, but this is not right, he just shoot it away, that's all. And then after a while that dies off also. Now these are all ailments, it's a, like the person who, sometimes that lack of oxygen or whatever else, or sometimes the circulation stops in some parts of the body, now that part has become lump, lump completely. It's lump, no feeling, somebody pokes it, cuts it, nothing, no feeling. So likewise, spiritually the person because of sins, because of the ailments of the heart, of the spiritual self, his spirituality becomes lump. Now if he misses some obligation of deen too, it doesn't seem to affect him in any way. He commits some haram, life carries on like nothing happened. Now just like that person, somebody is cutting his foot off and he doesn't know because it's completely lump, there's no feeling, that's not something good, that's a major disaster. So likewise, that lack of remorse, that lack of regret, that lack of any spiritual feeling about why I didn't do what I'm supposed to do, what am I up to in this haram, that's a major spiritual calamity. Now this is what this Islam is all about. Now that person will be rushed to the ICU. There's a major problem here. And this has to be treated. So this is what Islam is all about. Treating the spiritual self. That to number one recognize the maladies. To number one recognize that I'm ill. Sometimes a person like this is the buzz thing carrying on throughout the world that people are carrying some viruses around, they don't even know it. After some time, some days pass, now suddenly the symptoms come up, then they realize they are carrying it for so long. So now the person was ill, but that illness was not even recognized. Now it suddenly then just erupted. So likewise there are so many spiritual illnesses, until some tests are not done within us, we don't even realize it's there. Till we are not diagnosed, we don't realize it's there. That anger, that uncontrolled anger which causes so much of damage, so much of harm. That lust which is taking a person in every haram. The ego that makes a person do so many things that are against shariat and deen. All these are major maladies. So now this needs treatment. So this is what this Islam is all about. It's very simple, there's nothing complicated about it, very straightforward. But it is to reach that 
destination. The destination is to reach Allah Ta'ala. In a way that Allah Ta'ala is pleased with us. We are presentable externally and internally. Externally and internally. Now, Alhamdulillah, we give due regard and due importance to the spiritual, uh, to the physical health. But as discussed, that, that is only to a point. One day we all have to leave dunya and go on. Then from that point is only the spiritual health. So how much more importance has to be given to that is obvious. The horse, or in our context, the car. The car is important. The person is going to drive. He'll check the car out before that. Check everything is in order. The tires are in order. The engine obviously is in order. There's water where the water is supposed to be. The fuel where the fuel is supposed to be. The oil levels are correct. Everything you'll check up. But if he's checking so much all the water and the oil and the fuel and the tires and whatever else, but the person who's going to be driving that vehicle, he's starving him. So he's got a driver, but he's starving the driver. The driver is parched with thirst, his pangs of hunger eating within him, and as a result he's feeling dizzy now. He says, sorry, no, no money for you because we're going to put the money on all the fuel in the tank. So he can't buy you any food to eat. He's on a lengthy journey. And he's not feeding that driver anything, and he's putting everything in the car. What's going to be the end result? That's going to be a major crash. That person is feeling dizzy already. He can't even concentrate. And his vision is getting blurred. How is he going to drive? So while you have to take care of the car, but more important is to take care of the driver. Because the driver is the person who's going to control that car. If the driver is weak, the car is very powerful, but the driver is weak, that's going to become a big problem. He won't be able to control it. So likewise, while the physical self has to be looked after, but it is the soul that is primarily the driver. The soul is the driver. So we're taking care of the vehicle, because the body is the vehicle for the soul. The soul comes out, the body is of no use. So the body is the vehicle, the ruh, the soul is the driver. Now all the effort is gone into taking care of that vehicle and adorning it and polishing it and shining it. But the driver, the driver is neglected. The driver is starved. So this is what Islam is all about. About taking care of the driver and rectifying our inner self. So this is what from time to time we gather to just refresh these lessons, to read something from the writings of the ulama and mashayikh and the ahlullah, that they have gone through this path, they have guided numerous people, thousands of people through this path, and the ups and downs they have seen themselves and taken others safely past it. So their writings have a lot of nur in it, a lot of barakat in it, and it makes the road very easy for us to understand also. So there are many, many things that they have over time explained. So inshallah we will read some of these uh, advices and explain it. This is the kitab of our Shaykh Hazrat Mawana Shah Kim Akhtar who was one of the very great personalities of our recent time and who with the tawfiq of Allah Ta'ala had been a means of guiding not thousands not tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So, Alhamdulillah, people who took to that advice, who applied it in their lives, they saw the benefit it brought to them, the spiritual progress that came through it. So, Inshallah, we will read something from here. These are all general advices, but all these things are very deep. If we take it to heart, we practice upon it. Sometimes it sounds very simple. And that is what becomes sometimes the deception. We are always often looking for something very fancy. In everything this has become the condition, a person wants everything very fancy. A very plain, simple looking car is not good enough for him. He wants something, if he can afford something fancy, he wants it fancy. In his home, everything must be all the time upgraded to something that looks even better. Something that looks even more attractive something that is very, very exciting. 
So, like this has become the scene everywhere else, in our home, in our car, in our, our day-to-day lives. So now in Deen also, we want to only that has some kind of appeal for us, if there is some kind of excitement in it. If there is no excitement in it, then there is no appeal in it. Unfortunately, if that is the case, then it's actually we are looking for entertainment. Because it must be exciting. And if it's very plain and simple, then actually the only thing that's missing in that plain and simple is the entertainment value. So then, we've missed the point. Deen is not about excitement. Deen is about realities. Something has to be addressed, something has to be rectified in our lives, something has to be... Uh, we have to do, and, uh, undertake something, do what has to be done, there are very plain and simple, straightforward aspects that have to be done. So therefore sometimes these advices sound very, very simple, very basic. But these very basic, simple things are sometimes the life of everything. If you take water, what is sometimes some uh, drink, might be some juice or something else. Sometimes, forget now, one color, somehow they make it multicolored. That same, in that same bottle, you see several colors in it. Or that junk, how it's mixed, Allah knows. Because sometimes, I mean the standard was always, it's going to be one color. Whatever it is, it's some shade or the other, but it's one color. But now you see it in the same jug, it's multicolored. So now it looks even more exciting. And then there's some fuzz in it. And then, but after all that multicolors and fuzz and so on, then somebody will go through all the ingredients of all those products that we put into it, to give it that fuzz, that, that excitement, and that attraction of those colors. But they say some of those colorants got some very, very serious is- issues involved in it. Some E numbers and this and that and the other. This is bad for health and that is bad for health. Now it was very exciting, very, very tempting. person sees it from a distance and he wants to now have it. So all these things are in its place. But water, plain and simple pure water, that plain and simple pure water is colorless, it's tasteless, and it's, there's no fragrance in it also. Smellless, odorless. It doesn't have a bad smell obviously, it doesn't have any fragrance also. There's no fragrance, got no taste, no exciting colors in it also. But that water is the best thing to drink. And minus that water, and shortly the person will be dehydrated. It's plain and simple. There's no excitement in it. No attraction in it. But it is the essence of life, in terms of human life. An essence of all life, on earth. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ Allah Ta'ala says, we made every living, living thing, its essence, we made it water. Every living thing, is from, its essence is water. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنَ الْمَاءِ From water we have created every living thing. Plain and simple, but Anzalna minas sama ima antahura. Allah Taala says that that water in its pure state is what we have descended from the skies. That rain, so that rain water, person collects it in its purest form. No color in it, no taste in it, and no fragrance also in it. But that is the best. So sometimes something, mashallah, it has some extra sort of appeal in it for us, no problem. Doesn't mean that it's wrong, but that's not the objective. That's not the focus. The focus is in what is the, what is going to benefit us, what is going to treat our inner selves, what is going to make our Islam externally, internally. So sometimes something sounds very, very simple, very basic, very elementary maybe, but that is the issue that sometimes some things are so easy that we say now it's too easy to do it, so we don't do it. It's so easy, so we don't do it. Because now this sounds so simple, it can't be so effective. But that water is so effective. That water is what's keeping the person going. Take the water out of his system and he'll be dead. So these things sometimes sound very simple, very basic, but it is to, taken, to be taken to heart and to start putting it into our lives and inshallah we'll see the barakat of it, we'll see the benefit how this will inshallah make such a difference to our lives
Inshallah, we'll, this is in Urdu. I will, Inshallah, read from here and translate and explain where there might be some necessity to explain something. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. ارشاد فرمائے کہ جب تک گناہوں کی عادت نہ چھوٹے اس وقت تک ہر گناہ کے بعد فوراً استغفار کرنا چاہے the greatest issue that we face is giving up sin mashallah many a person is punctual with many amal salah alhamdulillah many a person is punctual with his five times salah alhamdulillah summa alhamdulillah the very great bounty of Allah Ta'ala. Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif also, mashallah, many a person together with the Salah, very regular with Tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif daily, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala's ni'mad. On top of that, sometimes the person is dedicating for some zikr, tasbihat, excellent. Together with all that, the person is sometimes engaging, mashallah, in some effort of deen, in some social work, helping others in some way or the other, all out of the zeal for the rewards, for the for getting closer to Allah Ta'ala, excellent. All these things are tremendously great. But sometimes and very often, with all this, but sins haven't left our life. So the Salah is carrying on also, Tilawat is also carrying on, other A'mal also in place, Alhamdulillah, Summa Alhamdulillah. This is not in any way to be regarded as, uh, well, something of no significance now, no, 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 it's tremendously great. But, as important as it is to be making or fulfilling all these amal, even more important is to give up all sin. So obviously not doing something compulsory is also a sin. So a person left out some fard action, that's also a major sin. So giving up sin is very comprehensive. It means doing all whatever is a person obligated to do and staying away from everything that Allah Ta'ala has prohibited. Now this is the essence and this is what is the means of progress in deen. Without this, the person will be turning in the same circle. In terms of spiritual progress, he will be turning in the same circle. A person is driving, so he told somebody, he phoned him that I'm leaving now, I'm going somewhere. And then after one hour, or two hours, maybe even ten hours, later he phones. So the person asks him, how many kilometers have you driven? He says, I've driven 1,000 kilometers. Ten hours later, he's driven 1,000 kilometers. He says, how far have you gone? No, I'm still around the same block. I've just been driving round and round the same block for ten hours. So now you are supposed to go to drive all the way. You are supposed to reach Medina Sharif, reach Makkah Sharif. But now you're driving around the same block, how are you going to reach there? You have to get on the road. So likewise, the person, mashallah, does the amal, etc. But if sin is not removed from one's life, then we keep turning around the same circle in terms of spiritual progress. So it's not that these amal are of no benefit, very great benefit, but spiritual progress doesn't happen. Like a person now, He's all the time looking for some promotion. Now he doesn't want to be in the same job. He doesn't want to be at the same level. He's got a post somewhere. Now he's looking for the promotion. So all the time in dunya, we're looking for promotion. We're looking for upgrades all the time. All the time we want to update and upgrade everything. So now the promotion in deen is to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. And that promotion will be apparent in the akhirat, in the levels of Jannah. That somebody will be in Jannatul Firdaus. And then there will be somebody in a very much more lower level. And Nabi Islam says that between each level of Jannat is Kama Samai wal Ard. The distance between the heavens and the earth. So now, in dunya, we don't want anything second best. We're trying for the very best in everything. But for Akhirat, but then that's not the only point. One is that a person, he is doing his halal, his legal trade. So he's earning, mashallah, he's earning a lot. So he's earning by whatever is the correct manner of trading, etc., business. 
But then on the side he's doing some underhand things also. So now all this legal business he's doing, and then he's paying his taxes on it also, and he's even doing some community service with it, and whatever else he's doing, but when they're going to catch up with him, that you're doing something underhand, some illegal things, he'll get arrested for it, and then if that's going to be resulting in some kind of uh, sentence of, on him, so that is not going to help him at that time, for that period of time, that look, he was paying his taxes also, and he did some community service, you know, he must serve the sentence, one year in jail. So all the taxes he paid, and the community service he did, and all that, that's all in his place, you come back, you'll enjoy the fruit of what you earned, but for now you sit one year in jail. So now nobody wants to have that, that one year in jail he's going to sit, or he got caught up in some fraud at the same time, now 15 years in jail he got sentenced for. So Allah forbid that the sins are illegal. The person is getting involved in something illegal now. So now mashallah the amal are there, but as a result of the sins, if he gets sentenced to Jahannam, for a period of time. Jahannam nobody wants to take a chance with. Even for one mm, fraction of a second. So this is the aspect that is being explained. That the person, his most important aspect is that he should be giving up sin. So that as explained is very comprehensive. Everything is in this. Now, Unfortunately, a person sometimes got caught up in something. And then that becomes so deep-rooted that after some time when the consciousness came up, that look, this is wrong, I shouldn't be carrying on with this. This is an evil, this is a vice, I must stop. So Alhamdulillah, that consciousness came, that conscience is now troubling him. So he makes sincere tawbah, he repents, but because this has become so deep rooted in him, so one is repenting from it, but uprooting what has come down into the system, that requires its own effort. Now sometimes in that process, the person is sincere about his wanting to come out of the sin, but he's still repeatedly falling in it. Now, many a person becomes very despondent in this situation. There's a very fine line here, very fine line to bear in mind. One is that that sin is a very dangerous thing. It's not to be regarded as something minor in any way. One is the category that the fuqaha have explained, certain sins are described as minor sins, and certain sins are described as major sins. So that is a fiqhi categorization on the basis of that certain sins there are more stronger warnings about it more greater punishments for it compared to other sins in that regard some sins are major and some sins are minor in the regard that there are some greater punishments mentioned for certain things compared to other things but in itself in itself, every sin is a major problem. The difference can be understood in this way. That for example, one is, a person is taken and thrown into a blazing fire. And the other is, that the person is not thrown into a blazing fire. One small spark, is one burning, one ember, live ember, small piece of a live ember, that is put into his pocket somewhere and closed up, Say, now you keep that, they don't worry. So now one is you throw him into that blazing fire, that's like a major sin now. That might destroy him instantly. But that spark, that ember that was put into his pocket, it might take a little longer, but it might be maybe an hour later, it might finish off no different to that situation. Once that fire catches up, first he'll start sparking off, and then his clothes will light up, and from his clothes his body will start catching a light, it might be not be long after where he'll finish off no different to that situation. So every sin is a major problem. So on the one hand, no sin should be treated as, well, okay, this is not a serious thing. It's serious, very serious. But at the same time, this is the grace of Allah Ta'ala, 
that even that sinner is not made despondent. That look, the door is still open. But don't procrastinate. This is the biggest barrier and this is the biggest deception that shaitan puts in a person. Makes him procrastinate. Okay, later. Oh, this, this has to be done. I have to repent. I have to sort my life out. But I still got life now. I'm still so young, so healthy, fit. Later, well, okay, if not too much later, Ramadan is around the corner now. So just carry on now. Inshallah, by Ramadan, we'll sort it out. Oh, well, okay, the 15th of Shaban is even closer than that. Inshallah, by the 15th of Shaban. We don't know whether we've got 15 minutes left. But Shaitan puts that thought in the mind. Nobody ever thinks about it in this way or even believes in his heart in some way or the other that I'm going to live forever. Nobody, nobody understands, thinks about that. This is the one reality that even the worst atheist agrees on. That life is going to come to an end in dunya. Every person is going to die. That reality everybody accepts. But Shaitan pushes it so far behind in the mind that like it will never happen. And if it is, it is going to happen, but not now. At least I got a couple of good years left. Makes that like such a conviction. I got enough time still. I'm going to go one day, but I got enough time. So later. So as people often say, no, we're at the 11th hour. Do it at the 11th hour. We'll sort our life out at the 11th hour. So somebody in response to that said, but what happens if your life goes at 10.45? Talking about the 11th hour, now that's a sick of expression. But now just to play on the word, see you're talking about the 11th hour, so 11 o'clock. So what happens if your life goes at 10.45? The 11th hour never came in your life. You were gone before the 11th hour. You never got a chance. Now this, this is a very dangerous thing, procrastination. So now on the one hand, we can never ever regard any sin as minor, as trivial. Minor in the sense that it's not anything serious. But at the same time, Allah Ta'ala's grace and mercy. Allah Ta'ala has not allowed even that sinner to become despondent of his mercy. That as long as there's life, there's hope, as long as there's life, the doors of Allah Ta'ala's mercy are open. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says, that Inna Allah Azza wa Jal yaqbalu tawbat al-abdi ma'alam yugharghir. Allah Ta'ala accepts the tawbah of his servant as long as he is not now already experiencing the pangs of death. He's still alive. He's still in dunya. He hasn't yet gone. But the pangs of death have started. So the person is conscious to a point. But he's already moving. He's already leaving. When that has started, some of the unseen starts becoming seen to him. We are sitting here. We have full yaqeen. This is our total conviction. Because we have full yaqeen in the words of Rasulullah sallallahu Whether our eyes can see it or not, that doesn't matter. But Allah's Nabi sallallahu has said something to us, then if our eyes can see something else, we'll disbelieve it, we'll believe what he told us. So for example, in the Hadith Sharif it comes, that when a gathering sits to remember Allah ta'ala, this is a gathering remembering Allah ta'ala also, we're speaking about Allah ta'ala, we are discussing what will take us closer to Allah Ta'ala? So this is a gathering of zikr. So in the hadith, Nabi Sallallahu says, That when a gathering gets together in the houses of Allah Ta'ala, يَذْكُرُونَ Allah Azza wa Jal And they are remembering Allah Ta'ala. So Nabi Sallallahu says, حَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةِ The angels throng around them. This is why we have to be taking advantage of being in the house of Allah Ta'ala as often as possible. Because the house of Allah Ta'ala, people are sitting, somebody is making tilaws of the Qur'an Sharif, somebody is making zikr, there's some talk of deen taking place, there's amal carrying on, and the malaika in the house of Allah Ta'ala present forever. So one is in the company of the malaika. And the company of the malaika, that will rub off onto him. If he's conscious of it, he'll get even greater benefit. So now whether we can see this or not, we have 100% conviction in it. That this is the reality. We can't see any, any of it, but it's there. We are 100% certain about it. But when a person starts passing from this dunya, 
while he is still alive. The Ruh hasn't left entirely. But the unseen starts opening out to him. And therefore the doors of Toba close immediately. But the unseen starts opening and he starts seeing the, seeing the angels. If the angels of Rahmat and Mercy have been coming to now take his soul, he sees that. And already the happiness starts becoming apparent on him. The pain of death is a natural thing. The pain of death is due to the extraction of the Ruh. And the Ruh is in every fiber of the body. So now it's so deeply attached to the body, so when this Ruh is extracted, so there's natural because there's still life, and as that life is ebbing away, but there's still some senses, so there's natural pain. So Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala raha, she says that after I saw the, the, the difficulty, the physical difficulty, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa underwent when it was his last moment ever since I stopped envying any person for what apparently seemed to be an easy death in other words what apparently seems to be an easy death or what apparently seems to be a difficult situation neither of it is a sign of anything some difficulty at that time doesn't mean Na'udhu is a bad death because nobody is passing could have been better than the passing of Rasulullah and he experienced physical difficulty at that time so if physical difficulty was experienced by him that in itself can never be a sign of a bad death in itself it can accompany a bad death but in itself is not necessarily that and likewise it might seem outwardly that there was no difficulty but the reality Allah knows so in any case what the point was that in that condition the person already starts seeing the unseen the malaika start becoming apparent to him if it's the angels of rahmat he starts seeing that and he already sees that whatever good things they brought to take him along in the silken cloths to now wrap his soul in that and take it along and that fragrance he already starts getting and Allah forbid if it's the angels of azab because of his wrongdoings and his sins and vices and it's the angels of azab that are now coming to extract his ruh. Then that terror already starts while he is still alive. Because he can start seeing this. So, what the point was is, that we are talking about this toba. That on the one hand, sin is never to be regarded as something insignificant, minor. That is the biggest Danger. When a person starts regarding it as insignificant, then that also starts becoming even more smaller in his eyes. Gradually, he then starts even justifying the wrong. And when that situation comes up, when a person starts justifying the wrong, finding excuses for himself and justifying it, then the toba goes away even further. The chances of toba are far away then, because he's not even regarding the wrong as wrong. Where is going to make Toba for him? He's busy justifying his wrong. Where is going to make Toba? He's trying to find excuses to say why this is not a problem for me. Where is going to repent? 15th of Shaban will come, Ramadan will come, 27th of Ramadan will come, he'll go for Hajj, in Arafat also he won't repent. Because he's not regarding it as wrong. He's making excuses for it. So, on the one hand, no sin should be regarded as trivial. But at the same time, Allah Ta'ala, out of His grace, has not allowed the person to become despondent. That he must turn to Allah Ta'ala. So now this is the mashayikh way of taking a person along. That look, don't ever regard the sin as a minor thing. It's serious. But unfortunately you got yourself so deeply into it. And it's so deeply gone down into your system. That you are repeatedly falling into it. Then too, there's a procedure to get out of it. There's a procedure to get out of it. So this is the message that is being given here. That when the sins until that sin has not been totally uprooted. Every time that the person fell in the wrong, immediately, without any delay, he must deeply make istighfar. Seek Allah's forgiveness. Now, a person has got the problem of casting lustful glances, which is a major sin. The major problem, the sin. 
And the sin is such that it totally corrupts the heart eventually. Then the person's heart now becomes poisoned with these poisonous arrows of shaitan. In the Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah says that Allah Ta'ala says, Hadith Qudsi, that this haram glance, this lustful glance, is a poisonous arrow of shaitan. And mantarakaha makhafati, the person who will refrain from this out of my fear, out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala says, I will give him such iman in return that he will taste its sweetness in his heart. That he gave up this haram pleasure. Allah Ta'ala says, I will give him the halal pleasure of the sweetness of iman. He will experience the sweetness in his heart. So now he is not refraining from this haram glance. As a result, this poisonous arrows of shaitan, one after the other, attacking his heart and poisoning the heart. Now that poisoned heart, then one thing leads to another. From the poisoned heart, now the thoughts become all poisoned. Because the heart is the seat of all the thoughts. So now the poisonous arrow of shaitan is knocking the heart all the time. So the poison now goes into the thoughts. So now the mind is occupied in evil thoughts all the time. In all the same kind of lustful thoughts, fantasizing, whatever other evils. Now the person is sometimes in sajda also, and that hasn't left him. Can we imagine the person now is supposed to be closest to Allah Ta'ala? But from where to where? That he didn't look after his days. Now even his sanda has become so polluted. The person is in front of the Kaaba Sharif. He's making tawaf. But that pollution has gone so deep in his heart now. That even while making tawaf around Baitullah and it's sometimes the month of Ramadan, he's fasting. And even there he's casting haram lances. He's in Arafat and he can't protect his gaze. Now this is that pollution. This is that those toxic fumes. This is the poisonous arrows of shaitan. Now somewhere the person now, Allah Ta'ala gave him the realization that where you landing yourself in, how far you gone, what a severe problem you putting put yourself in and what if your death comes in this condition, what are you going to go with, what kind of heart are you going to present to Allah Ta'ala? On that day, Yawma Tublas Sarair, Allah Ta'ala mentions in the Quran Sharif <coughs> about the day of Qiyamah. Yawma Tublas Sarair, when all the secrets will be exposed. Now, is this the heart I'm going to take and go? And is this the heart that's going to get exposed in front of everyone on the day of Qiyamah? My parents are going to be there, my children are going to be there, my family will be present, my friends will be around, and in front of everybody, is this what's going to get exposed? How can I carry on like this? I need to make Tawbah, I need to make amends, I need to come back to Allah Ta'ala. So now Alhamdulillah, Summa Alhamdulillah, that consciousness got stirred, that heart became alive, and now he is realizing that no, I need to turn around. So now he makes Tawbah, cries, sheds some tears, makes istighfar, and the starting point of that Tawbah must not just be something very, very cursory. Sometimes we hear about the importance of Tawbah, repenting, Alhamdulillah. The essence of that repentance is in the heart. The essence of that repentance is number one, the remorse and regret over what happened. That in principle is the Tawbah. Anadamu Tawbatun. That regret and remorse, that's the main ingredient of this Tawbah. If there wasn't even regret and remorse over it, the Tawbah is not even Tawbah. That's the first thing person was holding one glass, forget something maybe very expensive, not even so expensive, but it fell out of his hand and it broke. He feels something. Might be worth ten rands, but that ten rand glass who broke, he feels something. There's something in his heart. And the child broke one and then by mistake broke the second one, then that becomes a very big problem. Then the child is also going to get a feeling of how it, what it feels like breaking things. So there is some feeling on material loss. There is some... De- ah, where is the tenran thing? The tenran got lost from the pocket. And he put his hand, he knew he put it in his pocket where it went now. It got lost, it fell somewhere. There is some feeling. Whereas he's got... He is owning billions. But there is some feeling on that loss. 
But there's sometimes major losses in terms of deen. Person committed major sins. But is that feeling of loss there? Is that feeling if a person hurt his parents and then the realization comes, he feels ashamed. After all, how did I do this? They are my parents after all. And how could I have hurt them like this? And he hurt them just emotionally, not even maybe on a very serious level too. But if he has some conscious, he has some level of morality, some level of haya and shame, then he'll feel, he'll feel ashamed. He'll feel some sense of, now he has to face them again. He went away, disappeared, and whatever else, but now when he has to come face them, there will be some, something in his heart. Allah Ta'ala is our creator and sustainer, our parents and creators. But they were the means of us coming into dunya, so they deserve that very great respect, that very great honor. But they didn't create us. Allah Ta'ala is our creator, Allah Ta'ala is our sustainer, Allah Ta'ala is our nourisher, Allah Ta'ala has granted us anything and everything we have. It is purely on His grace that we are surviving. Every breath we take is purely His favor. Now to think such a merciful and kind and such a compassionate Allah I have and I still disobeyed Him. I transgressed His laws. I blatantly sinned. Now that has to have some, some something in the heart. That regret and remorse is the essence of Toba. If that didn't even come, then the Toba didn't start. And then together with that, obviously giving up that sin, stopping it right there, and the firm resolve of not committing it again. The resolve. That there must be a firm. It's not that he is already saying to himself, that fine, repent now, but tomorrow we'll go back to it. He's already planning, tomorrow I'll do it again. Many times, unfortunately, this is what happens. On the one hand, it's a sign of respect, but Toba didn't take place. Like for example, the month of Ramadan is close by. So, mashallah, the month of Ramadan comes. So many a person stops committing certain wrongs that he might have been involved in. Allah forbid somebody is gambling, somebody is going to the zina dens, somebody is going to some other rice places. So the month of Ramadan comes, the person stops. Alhamdulillah, on the one hand, this is a sign that there is some respect for the signs of deen, for the symbols of his deen. There is respect for Ramadan. That in itself, mashallah, is a very great thing. Alhamdulillah. But the person got it in his mind already that, well, Eid day will come, I'm going back. So he's never made Toba. So the whole month of Ramadan came and went, he never made Toba. Because he's got it in his mind that I'm just waiting for Ramadan to finish. So on the one hand, mashallah, this is very good that he's got that respect at least. It's much better than the person who continues even in Ramadan. So on that note, mashallah, it's very good that he stopped. But then there was never Toba. So when there was no, never Toba, that is why after the month of Ramadan, there's no difference to after Ramadan to the life that was there before Ramadan. Whereas Ramadan is supposed to boost a person to such a way that now his life after Ramadan is far better than his life before Ramadan. So in any case, this is the aspect that we were talking about, that this Toba, so this is the essence of Toba, that, that regrets. So now, coming back to the discussion, that the person unfortunately got caught up in the sin and for years it was going on, and he was, for example, now casting those haram glances, looking at haram. So now that consciousness came, that regret came, and on this point we digress, that when the person now, that realization came, so the essence of the toba is in the heart. The essence of the toba is that remorse and regret. But it should not just be for that one passing moment, the person just felt that regret, he even thought to himself that, no, no, I must stop this. No, no, it must be something more tangible. It must be something more concrete. How? He should take some practical steps. Go and take a ghusl. Not that he is in need of a ghusl. Go and take a ghusl. Go and put on clean clothes. Not that this, any of these things are preconditions for Toba. These are not preconditions for Toba. The essence of Toba is in the heart. But when a person is now 
done something and he wants to come back to his parents and apologize, he doesn't come in just very casually and just in passing says, well, okay, don't worry about it now, it's all over now. And he walks out. No, no, he comes in a very humble manner. He'll come with one gift maybe also. He'll come with maybe somebody else to come and just be supporting him to say a few words to encourage them to just overlook the mistake. All these extra things are done. So likewise, he wants to make that Tawbah presentable to Allah Ta'ala. He wants to make it acceptable. So go and take that ghusl. Put on clean clothes. Read four akats, nafil, salatu tawbah. Then make istighfar a few hundred times. And now turn to Allah Ta'ala in sincere repentance. Shed some tears of remorse and regret. And then give some sadaqah. In lieu of the wrong that was done to, to sort of make amends in some way. So now this person has taken some concrete steps. So the essence of Tawbah is in the heart. But now all this will make the Tawbah, inshallah, more effective. And there is a greater chance that inshallah he will stay steadfast on this Tawbah. To the extent that he undertook these extra steps. So that is the one thing that is the very necessary thing, the Tawbah. But now this person is so deep into it, he's making Tawbah and the next day he's back into it. He's making Tawbah and the next day he's back. Provided that at the time that he is making Tawbah, he is sincere. That regret is there. And that resolve is there that I won't do it again. Tomorrow is another day. What happens tomorrow is not in his knowledge now, is not in his control of what tomorrow will bring. He has to do his utmost. But in that moment of weakness he fell again. Now that is the point that is being discussed here. That if he fell again without delay, without delay, immediately to make istighfar deeply. Seek Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness. Astaghfirullah. Astaghfirullah. La ilaha illa anta subhanak. Inni kuntu min al-zalimeen. Rabbi khfir warham. Anta khayrul rahimeen. Various other formulas of istighfar. So immediately to turn to Allah Ta'ala in istighfar. Now, this is happening repeatedly, but he must repeatedly make istighfar. The first benefit of it, that if he's sincere in his istighfar, what just happened, that will get cleaned out also. Something got dirty, so he cleaned it out. It got dirty again, he cleaned it out again. So it won't be layer upon layer of dirt, which then becomes very difficult to clean. So number one, it will keep cleaning out. Number two, it will keep the conscience alive. Otherwise, slowly the conscience will die. Number three, it will start bringing some greater regrets. Now again I did it. And again I did it. And yet again. So when this regret grows, inshallah the space between the occurrences will start increasing. And gradually that will get further apart. And inshallah sooner or later, if he keeps up with this diligently, then sooner or later, this will become the means of totally giving up that wrong. And that is the destination. To give up all sin, this is when a person now starts progressing and getting closer to Allah Taala. Allah Taala give us the tawfiq. Inshallah, we'll continue after the Maghrib Salah.